Clitus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> And welcome back to episode 33 of the Hell Ming Power Hour, where the reviews are fake, your hosts are fake, the synopsis are fake, the ratings are pointless, but uh, the movies we cover are actually real movies uh, for the most part. That's right. We have mostly real movies, and that is our only draw. We'll have to start making up movies soon. I think it'll be a better show, to be honest. There is actually one show that we did called The Farcical where we do cover a fake movie that uh, our listeners decided would be a good sequel to something. And uh, if you haven't checked that one out, you need to go back and check it out. It was a lot of fun. So when I say that the movies are real or when Danny says it, then we're partially telling the truth. And when we're not telling the truth, you will hear Brian Blessed say, Hail Ming. And that is an indicator that, uh, you know, we're lying. But welcome to the only show that takes you back in time. In a time machine. That's right. We come back in a time machine and we take you back to where the movies came from. Because there's nothing like going to the source to find out what's really going on. And what's the source? A horse, of horse. <laughs> Good cover up. Hell <laughs> So for this episode, we're going to jump into the Terry Gilliam, somewhat of a classic. We both really enjoy this movie, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. So if you haven't checked that one out, we're going to give you the main reasons of why you should check it out. It's a lot of fun, classic literature. Well, it's it's fantasy, and I do think that, that Baron Munchausen is a, a well-known character of fantasy. You know, he, he's right. done everything. And the Baron Munchausen is kind of the Commander McBrag. Right. Uh, if you remember that from the, uh, the Bullwinkle show. But yeah, I mean, in, in this Terry Gilliam movie, there are a lot of Terry Gilliam movies that get a lot of love. Time Bandits and uh, 12 Monkeys. Yep. Brazil. Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers is, is probably his quintessential. You know, people associate that with him the most. The Bad News Bears Go to Japan. That's another popular one that he did. The, the Bad News Baron Munchausen was an unknown <laughs> sequel to this one where, you know, he takes up baseball and he... He he bats like a, he becomes giant and he bats the worlds around and it, it just yeah, yeah. nobody nobody yeah. liked it the the budget the budget wasn't not, there you know <laughs> not anybody <laughs> so yeah man we're hoping that you hang out with us and enjoy this classic movie with us we'll be right back in just a few minutes folks yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> 
Hail Ming Power Hour is brought to you by Buffalo Bill's Moisturizer. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! The following feature has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences and parental discretion is advised. Home box office will show this feature only at night. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. 
And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> I'm oh. not wearing any pants. Film at 11. <laughs> exactly. we got to cover that movie soon, man. That one and Amazon Women. That'd be great. Yeah, that, that's a great duo. Yeah. It's a, it's a comedy tour de force. All right, folks. So, yeah, we're back. Ready to talk about some Barry Munchausen. And before we do, because we're going to jump in the time machine, but in order for us to have a time machine, we have to have sponsors. Well, it's, it's important to have sponsors because sponsors sponsor things. They put their money on, and then we can buy things. That's right. It's that simple. <laughs> it's just that simple, people. And our sponsor this week is Dots Drilling, where your hole is our goal. That's nice. <laughs> when we have holes to drill, we always call Dot. Anyways, back on subject. In order to go back and check this movie, we have to jump into the time machine. So that's what we're about to do. I hear... Th- oh, it's time to jump in. All right. Let's go. Uh-oh. My seatbelt's locked. Short trip to 1988. Here we go. Listen to the power of that engine. That's got to be a Hemi. <laughs> you think it's a Hemi? Yes. 88, man. Straight out of high school. In high school. <laughs> yeah. oh, Let's see, 1988, I was, I was a junior high. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yes. Look at the 80s. That's right. It's fantastic. Everything's neon signs and white jackets. Zebra print stuff. hair. Yes. Fantastic. Bullies who know karate. Yes. <laughs> and bullied people who know karate a little bit better. Right. And table lifts. <laughs> All right. So to get into this movie, we need a synopsis. And this is kind of a special one, man, because this guy was a big recording artist in the day, and he re-recorded this one just for the show, and it's out on Ralph Mouth Records. That's where you can find it. Music you can taste. So, folks, here mouth, is... Mouth the, Records. That's, that's Fantastic. Come taste the music. And here's the classic songwriter, guitar master, Steve Miller. Sounds familiar. Never heard Folks, you can order that on Ralph Mouth Records. <laughs> and ever since they they got that uh, Daryl D.B. Cooper stuff, Ralph Mouth Records has really been drawing in the uh, the talent. Yeah, I mean that's that's I mean Steve Miller. I mean big dude back in the day. Yeah, and I mean I'm more excited about his brother David Miller. <laughs> well, you know he stopped doing the music and started making beer, so you know that's turned out yeah, pretty yeah. well for him. So. <laughs> All right, man. 1988. 
Baron Munchausen, I know you're a fan. I'm a fan. So what's your number one reason to watch Baron Munchausen? Man, my my number one reason to watch Baron Munchausen is, I'm just going to have to say overall, it's it's like an anthology. Right. You know, every story in it is almost separate from the others, but it's a, it's a kind of along the way they end up having these adventures. And my top reason is that he's the Baron, and every story is entertaining from beginning to end. Right. Just super over the top, things that are just unbelievable. And that's what's great about it is you, you kind of get the, the illusion of, man, he's just, you know, like you said, Commander McBrag or whatever. He's going over the top of everything. And then, then you start finding out there's kernels of truth to, to what's going on. So that's what makes this movie kind of fun, man. Lots of great imagery. I mean, again, we mentioned it. It's Terry Gilliam and, and you know, Nobody makes a movie like he does, and, and this this movie is absolutely full of his imagery for sure. Here's the thing: it's it's a movie that's kind of a fantasy setting, but just like Terry Gilliam does with everything, it's, it's got this fine layer of dust. Yep. It's got this, uh, you know, everything in it. Like the nobody does scorched earth like Terry Gilliam does. You know, where, where there's explosions and people screaming, and it still kind of looks fake, but it looks more real than it should. <laughs> and he just he just has a feel. Definitely. So what's your style. first reason? My first reason is Sting is in this movie, and he has three whole lines. And he's like at the very beginning, he's a war hero. Yeah, he's got three lines. It's a it's a funny little bit where they're bringing him in, and you think it's going to be some kind of congratulations for a job well done, but they decide that it hurts the morale of other people that are not war heroes, so they decide to execute him. Right, right, yeah, the politician who's in charge of the war who says things like, oh, we surrendered last time, so it's their turn. Right. Yeah, he's he's, he's saying, oh, you know, well, this this guy, by doing all these things, makes everyone else uncomfortable, and, and therefore, he doesn't have a place in our army. It's it's so absurd yeah. that it's funny. So my next reason has got to be his his uh, his companions. As oh, yeah. Gustavus and Bert Old. <laughs> who's Bert Old? Um <laughs> Baron Munchausen has a an intrepid group of sidekicks. And they got Ghost of Us, who's a who's a, a small man who has ears that he can hear the the wind for miles. And then he's got a Bert Old, who's who's played by Eric Idle, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. He, he's got these legs. He can run super fast. And they're just these these superpowers that allow him to, uh, as the Baron, kind of orchestrate these heists and, and deals and, and swindles and bets that he's able to overcome. Adolphus is one of them. He's the sharpshooter. Yeah, he's, the, he's the guy with the big glasses right. and, uh, and the big yeah. nose. Technically blind, but he's a sharpshooter. Well, my next reason <laughs> is an odd one. Like, everything in this movie is odd. But I put the human organ, which is where the... Uh, the, the, the torturer's sh- apprentice? Yeah, the, and the sheik's playing the organ and... and got these staffs that are going through and poking prisoners in a in a in a cage and it's poking them in the ribs and stuff so they'll make sounds that are in key with whatever key they're pushing uh, it's just yeah or, or really i mean i guess it's just an organ and then it has these spears that spear poor people who are chained <laughs> up inside of it i don't think that they're set up to sing any particular key they're just kind of the sound of people being tortured <laughs> uh, I, maybe maybe ostensibly that's the plan is to have these these people as as uh, creating the the sounds, but really it's just a bunch of people getting stabbed repeatedly. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Everything at the Sultan's place is awful. Ah, it's comedy gold. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, it's supposed to be awful. I, I don't say it's awful because it's really 
terrible, but it's supposed to be awful. I mean, it's I guess his harem isn't awful. They're 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 a bunch of uh, of large boned women. Yeah, yeah. You know, lounging <laughs> uh, nude around a, a, a pool. One of my favorite things that happens with the Sultan is when the when the the treasurer gets beheaded. Yes, he's. He's lost all of the gold to the Baron in this bet that's gone awry, and the, the Sultan just swings a sword, and his head just flies off. Like you know, like <laughs> it's got a ribbon of blood that shoots, and he, and it lands in some lady's lap and winks at her. Right. It's just so bizarre. It's to me, this is where you kind of see the things that he's learned to do in the other movies, and he puts them all together in this one movie. That's the best way I can describe this one because it's like you you see it all the things he's learned come into fruition into one movie here. And it's this movie's just full of full of imagery, man. That's a good reason. My next reason to watch Baron Munchausen is the play within a play. Yes. And and nobody does that as well as Terry Gilliam. Right. There's a a group a troop of actors who are playing out the adventures of Baron Munchausen. And some of the adventures they have on the stage end up becoming part of the movie. Yep. And so it's just got this whole and I love that. I mean, if you listen to previous episodes, you know, like uh, April Fool's Day and, and, and Popcorn. I, I love the whole movie within a movie, you know, play within a play thing where yep. you have elements of a story that's going on that's also going on in real life but the whole thing's still in a story. I just, I love that whole fudging of the of the wall between fantasy and reality and that's what he does with his acting troupe because the people who play his companions in the play right. also play his companions in real life when he goes and he Regains them from uh, from wherever they're doing what they're doing. It's it makes the movie all the better. It's right. just another element to enjoy. Uh, my next reason is death. This is the first movie where I've seen the figure of death, you know, the the Grim Reaper, or whatever, flying around in total Terry Gilliam style. It is oh, yeah. quite creepy in my mind when I still think of the Grim Reaper. This is what I always think of because it's so well done. Well, and from Time Bandits with the with cattle skull creatures with the the hook hands, right? I mean, it's the same kind of thing. The the Grim Reaper in this, he doesn't look real, but right. he right. isn't supposed to. Yeah, I think that's the thing about Terry Gilliam is he has this way of taking reality and making it into this specific image, and the Grim Reaper is a perfect example of it. He's supposed to look kind of like a statue or an animated tombstone or, or something. You know, right. he doesn't look like he really exists, but at the same time, he's dusty and dirty and he shows up and he makes weird sounds and he's really scary. Yeah, that's and very not Nobody doesn't like Terry Gilliam. Right. You know, as much as I love Terry Gilliam, I find when we do these movies, it is really hard for me to talk about what I like about Terry Gilliam. Right. You can't put your finger directly on something because it's it's the way he puts it all together that makes it such a unique experience. Again, folks, I mean, not only this movie, but just go and check out a lot of his work and you, you'll be blown away with the guy's done. The images stay with you I, I, forever. For me, it does anyway. So oh, My sorry. next reason is, is Oliver Reed. <laughs> his Vulcan. <laughs> Oliver Reed as Vulcan is fantastic. And I love Oliver Reed anyway. Yeah, I mean, me it's too. very hard to find a role. Even when he's playing someone unsavory, like in Tommy. Right. Uh, Oliver Reed plays Vulcan, and he's every bit as fiery as his character would would, would need to be. And while he's being shown around, he's uh, his his woman is being wooed by the Baron. And as they, you know, they go through that, the Baron's getting younger and younger. And his... Uh, his compatriots are trying to distract 
uh, Vulcan from what's going on because that's kind of their job. And the little girl that, that's picked up from the acting troupe. Again, if you're listening at home, you haven't seen the movie. In a nutshell, there's a town under siege by the Sultan's forces. There's a group of actors in the town who are doing the plays of Baron Munchausen. The real Baron Munchausen storms in and says, well, this town's under attack because of me. And in order to save the town, he convinces them to uh, to let him have a crack at fixing what he messed up with this bet with the Sultan where he stole all of his wealth. Yep. And so he goes on these adventures in order to try and right this wrong. And the daughter of the acting crew is with them. She goes with him yep. uh, kind of to keep him on course. And you know, so she finds out that instead of doing what he's supposed to be doing and solving this problem, he's wooing uh, Aphrodite. <laughs> and, uh, and and she knows that if she lets Vulcan know about it, then that's going to end real quick. So she goes over and says, hey, isn't he dancing with your wife? And, uh, of course, you all read, oh, we want, what? <laughs> and uh, even while he's angry, you know, they're asking him, you're like, oh, what do you think about Ballroom? Oh, we just had it redone. It's great. <laughs> nice, isn't it? We just had it done. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Reed, fantastic, whatever he is, and, and he's yep. no different than this. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love the part where they try to get him out of the ballroom because he's getting so angry, and they take him in the other room, and they start dancing, and he starts trying to dance with them. He's just kind of hunching down. and <laughs> <laughs> It's very, very funny. I mean, They're trying their best to get his mind off the fact that Baron's in there dancing with his wife, absolutely wooing her, which is Uma Thurman. Yes, as Aphrodite. She comes in on a half shell, too. Yeah, like, just like the, uh, the painting, yeah. I don't know. I think the play between the two of them is very similar to the play between um, Kathleen Hellman, uh, Catherine Hellman, and uh, and the ogre in Time Bandits. You know, at the end where yep. you know he's throwing them all out, like physically throwing them all out of <laughs> his his place, and you know he turns to her and, and he's he's mad, and she's like, oh, oh, oh. And, you know, and you see that you know his fiery temper is something that really does attract her, yep. and that's why they're together. But every once in a while, she's got to make him jealous, and that's what the Baron was doing. All right, the next thing I got, man, is uh, the Baron riding cannonballs. I love the whole scene where he's just latching onto a cannonball that the forces are out there fighting each other, and he's just going from side to side, grabbing cannonballs and riding along. It's just right. It- Crazy. When he has to change direction, he grabs another. Just cannon. grabs another cannonball. Yeah, it's just he's he's pretty dang cool, man. <laughs> so again, that's kind of example of the things that he's telling stories about doing this, and of course, you know, in this horrible war torn city, everybody's like, "Yeah, that's ridiculous. Nobody can do that because they're very rooted in reality." But he's not, and because he's not rooted in reality, he can do all these things, and all these stories are real to him. And it makes you as the viewer wonder, is this all in his head? You know, is it all in my head by this point? Yeah. Yeah. The Baron riding cannonballs is fantastic. The next thing I have is the Baron jumping out of that high tower on his horse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the, the Sultan, you know, he rides the horse and then it, it jumps down and lands in the courtyard where his, his guys are all right. playing dice with taking a nap. And or he says, I, you know, I'm, when's Bertold coming back? Right. And Berthold is gone to get wine from a faraway land, and he's, he's stopped to take a nap because he was well ahead of schedule. And uh, and it isn't until he says, well, there's a bet that his, his guys are, a bet! They all jump in, you know, into action. You know, they, they throw the, the, sh- the sharpshooter up on the thing, and 
and he sees Bert Old asleep under a tree and he and Gustavus uses his ear to, to get the, the wind speed and then shoots it so that an apple will land on Bertle right. and wake him up. It, it's it's also ridiculous, but it's so much fun. Yep, yep. Talking about the horse as well. What about during the big fight scene at the end when the horse is like a statue and it's just spinning around? Just like yeah. just like death in time in time bandits when it's basically, you can tell it's just a statue, but it's spinning around and just taking out all the bad guys. Oh yeah, the the whole the whole attack in the end is a lot like like the showdown with evil at the end yeah. of Time Bandits. Yeah, I mean, and it's so strange. And they're swinging that 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 ship around. Do they have a ship too? And they're yeah. swinging around by the anchor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The strong guy it's, just grabs it by the by the anchors and starts swinging it around, and just launches it. And uh, it's just it's just some crazy, outlandish stuff. Coming up with specific reasons to watch the movie because. Right. It's the it's the whole package, it's the imagery, it's the characters. One thing I will say, one element of this story is where I'm going to go that makes this movie worth watching and makes it interesting and unique is that the Baron is what creates the magic that sustains him. Right. And I'll, I'll explain that by saying when he finds his compatriots, none of them can do what they used to be able to do. Right. You know, they- the sharpshooter guy is nearly blind. And and Gustavus doesn't know why he has giant. And they they go to Bertold, who who's got the strong arm, legs, and he says, "Well, why do you think you have those irons locked onto your feet?" He says, "Well, I assumed I did something terrible." He says, yep. "No, it's because your legs are so strong that if you didn't have those, you would whiz away and be gone." And his compatriots can't do what they can do without him, right? Because he's the source of that magic. And he's kind of that way too because he's he's an aged person at the beginning of this. But as the adventures get going, he starts getting younger because it's bringing back the adventure into his life, and it's also affecting his group as well. They're they're becoming more of the people that the legend is as this movie goes along. Right, and, and by the end, his strongman can again you know pick up a ship by the anchor and and swing it around. Right. Whereas when he found him, he was living in a land full of giants. And he was kind of the smallest person around. Yeah. He couldn't do these things anymore because he had fallen into, and this is something that Terry Gilliam does a lot, where he takes a story and he turns it into something much bigger. You have to see it, folks. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) There's not much you can really say about it without just saying you have to see this movie to understand it. It's quite brilliant. Yeah, I'm not trying to, to, to step on our format here. I'm just, I have a hard time thinking of specific things that, you know, like I could say, watching the horse jump off the tower, it's so it's so ridiculous and fun. Yeah. But it's just it's surrounded by stuff like that. The one thing I will say, if we're watching movies and fast forward, you could fast forward through the whole Robin Williams on the moon thing, in my opinion. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not my favorite. It's weird and unsettling. <laughs> like when yeah. so Robin Williams and his wife have have heads that can detach from their bodies. And their bodies seek earthly pleasures, you know, sex and food. And their and their heads, when they're gone, seek these intellectual pursuits, you know. Right. And so their bodies are always trying to recapture their heads. It's a neat story. It's kind of interesting. But it's also kind of gross. Like, <laughs> Robin Williams especially is always, well, as soon as he gets his head back, his head turns this pink and he starts stuffing his face and trying to have sex with his wife and, yeah. and she's trying to like kind of kind of ward him off and it's just really unpleasant and it has a similar kind of kind of time bandits thing they get captured and they're in a big cage 
Yep. And it's just, I could skip it. You know, typically when I show this movie to people, it's at that point that I start to lose them. To me, it's it's kind of a standout part because it is so unusual and so bizarre. And you got Robin Williams that's just possibly coked out of his mind at this point. I mean, his, his it's, it's so it's so over the top what he's doing. And uh, the fact of... Yeah. He's tickling his wife's He's feet. Tickling his wife's Her head feet. is gone. Right. And it's but you're thinking it's some kind of big sexual innuendo and really that's what he's doing is just tickling her feet. So Yeah, so her head is reacting to what's going on, even though her head has absconded to go like to get go, wooed by the Baron because right. he's such a ladies' man. Right. And, and I like the moon. The the moon's kind of full of detritus and like like paper towers and ships and stuff. It, it's a really interesting like Right. fantasy moon scape I like a lot of that stuff but it's just you know I, I think my experience when I go to show this movie to people when we get to that moon part especially as gross as, as Robin Williams is being they have a tendency to, to turn off wow. and then it's hard to get them back huh. it's hard to get them back I like the, the part where the ship comes up to the moon and of course it's sailing on the water and you get yeah. that transition of it turning into sand that whole scene is just an incredible piece of work, man. I mean, it, it, that's there's so much imagery in this movie, man. That just stands out to me. We can't forget the Cyclops either. All the Cyclops that work for Oliver Reed, even though they're not really Cyclops, they just wear goggles that make them look like they're Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. And I, I guess that's that's a Greek mythology nod, you know, that Cyclops work for Vulcan. Yeah, uh, I I don't know it. But, but they're just, yeah, that's, they're just nude in like hazmat suits with little goggles. <laughs> well, and again, who does that kind of scene better than Terry Gilliam? Right. Either? Like some kind of fiery furnace with a bunch of people working hard. It's just so, again, we're going to have to go to, to telling people to watch it. Yeah. Um, But so as the story goes so far, you know, I, I'll have to say that, that another reason to watch it uh, when he escapes from the city, he escapes from the city in a hot air balloon made out of panties. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. I got Knicker Balloon Chip. He the, he charms the knickers off of all the ladies so he can build a balloon so he can make his ship fly. <laughs> it's very metaphorical, isn't it? I mean, he charms the pants off of them, and, right. then, and then they and then they fly away <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> and you know, so so uh, again, you know, if you if you're catching a trend, the trend is. You have a very real situation of a city under siege, and the solution is to somehow send this guy out to be some kind of a superhero by making a higher balloon out of out of silk panties. <laughs> and he even gives a little speech about it. He's right. like, "As I look upon these silken sweet nothings from all the ladies, you know, he's <laughs> he's just he's wonderful." Yeah. And you have the, the whole reason to watch it is him but there you know you these adventures you get into it's funny we haven't even mentioned that but the main reason to watch this movie is the baron i mean he's, yeah, absolutely. he's fantastic <laughs> his name is john neville and he's one of those british actors that you see crop up a lot and you wouldn't recognize him from baron munchausen because he's right. got a big fake nose and he's got a big powdered wig and he's not a powdered wig but it's that some kind of hairstyle where they're they're curled at the bottom and he's got this this little curly cube braid but yeah, John Neville um, shows up in a lot of places. He, I think he was in X-Files. Um, shows up in a ton of stuff. Uh, as, as well as, as uh, Jonathan Price, who plays the mayor of the town. The guy who's yep. like, well, we surrendered last time. So, of course, they'll surrender this time. Yeah. He's and he was a lot in of uh, stuff. Haunted yeah. Honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, one of the James Bond movies where he played the villain who typed with one hand. 
Yeah. Oh, no, he types with one hand. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> I'm going to make the news before it happens. Yeah. Actually, man, that's kind of happening today, isn't it? Anyway, anyway. I think that might die another day. It was the one with yeah. Michelle Yeoh in it. Right. Yo, Michelle. Yo, Michelle Yeoh. Ding dong. Ding dong, yo. <laughs> All right, so the next thing I got is the giant fish. Yep, the, and that's where Bertle is, isn't it? Yeah. He's in the, yeah. uh, the belly of the whale. And that's where uh, Adolphus is, too. They're, 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 both of them are in there. Well, you know, two birds, one stone, in the yeah. belly of one whale. Got right. it. And that is on the stage, too. He's in right. the, uh, you know, the, the guy playing Baron Munchausen's in a giant fish. And the you know the the mouth opens up and he says, "I find that a pinch of snuff sometimes solves the problem." And he throws the snuff and it sneezes him out the blowhole, right? right? And you know they end up trapped in in a big fish. It's uh, it's that whole art imitating life, imitating art thing, right? And and again, the fish looks fake, but looks real, but looks fake. It's, it's that same thing we we're talking about of of the imagery yeah. of, of Gilliam again. It's like the idea of a whale, and I think that's why he likes to put he like to put that stage play on that first because it gives you levels of reality. Right. You have the stage play version where it's very obviously a big set piece, you know, and and it even doesn't work right. You know, he's got to get his his actors to pull the things to make the waves roll and stuff like that. And then later in the film, you, you've got him actually going into the belly of this of this fish, like in the story. Yep. And, you know, even though the fish doesn't look all that real, it yeah. still looks more real than it did on the stage, yeah. so it's okay, right? Yeah, just bizarre, man. Yeah, it's, it's a great reason, and it's a great place to find your enemies. If I'm ever, like, trying to regain my, my A-team of, <laughs> of fantastical bet winners and, uh, and and superhumans, I'm going straight to the belly of a giant fish and well, seeing sure. if two of them are there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's leave you come off the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surely this time to no escape. Yeah. And the three and the three ladies that are in the stage play. One right. of them is is Uma Thurman. Right. Who ends up later as Venus. Right. Uh, and I think the other two show up as well. In the, like everyone who show, is on that stage play ends up somewhere in the story too. Yep. Just like Wizard it's of Oz. Just like Wizard <laughs> of Hailing. Oz. Or Return to Oz, which is, is among Ooh. my, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about you want to talk about bizarre. <laughs> or Oz the Great and Powerful. Which That's a good, good one. Yeah. Yeah. What you got, man? Anything else? I got. What will become of the Baron? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to say that this, that just like Time Bandits, there's so much to talk about in this movie that it's hard to to call it down because once you start watching it, it just bombards you with stuff. It's right. it's almost enough to, to turn you off. So if you're watching it and you feel that way, take a break. Right. Go, you know, go get yourself a drink. Read a I, book. I think that's the truth to it, too, is you need to watch it two or three times just to grab a hold of what's going on because it's, it's throwing so much at you so fast. It's kind of hard to, get, to get it, take it all in. Well, and it's so thick, you know, like, like uh, everything has a subtext. They, e- even as we talk about it now, you know, the whole... Everything he does is kind of also a moral to the story, you know, you know, like like the whole charming the knickers off the ladies to escape the the city, the whole 
right. uh, as he gets younger, as he woos the women, the whole intellectual pursuits when the heads leave the bodies and carnal pursuits when the bodies have the heads. It's all those things are, are very thick concepts done in, in really thick metaphors. And it can, it can be overwhelming. It, it may wow, suffer wow. from that fact of, you know, it's kind of like if they made a Lord of the Rings movie, you know, you know trying to take all the story yeah. and cram it into one movie in two hours. That's kind of what this is like, because they're taking all these legendary stories and trying to cram it into one movie. It, it may suffer a little bit from that. It might have been more successful if it was more of a series of movies. But that is one of my favorite theme songs. The legendary stories. <laughs> oh. Helming. Oh. <laughs> oh. Surely you're kidding, right? <laughs> All the stuff we've talked about isn't even a fraction of the stuff that happens in this movie. True. And to try and go line by line through all these little stories that happen, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the synopsis you need to get your attention. Yep. So what we're saying is if you like Terry Gilliam, yep. and you want to see something that's it's kind of a kind of a dark fairy tale, then you got it, because it is a dark fairy tale. Yep. It even has a, a not so happy ending. True. True. Yeah. And and that's the thing about it too, of if you love exceptional imagery. And something that just stands on its own, doesn't look like anything else, unless you're a fan of Gilly. I mean, you know what that look is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not going to be turned off by the quality of what this movie is, for sure. It's very well made. It's it's pompous. It's a little over the top. But then it's dark. It's comical. It's... That's not weird. that the... You know, we, we've, we've underlined the fact that there's a lot of metaphor in this. And not to have a spoiler... You know, uh, I know that we don't do that, but this is a big one. He dies at the end of this. Yeah. Death catches up with him at the end of this. In a literal sense, death finally is able to catch him stopped and he dies. And and so, so, you know, it's kind of like all this talk of magic intermingling through this fairy tale story in and out. And he's able to, as one man, stop this war and save all these people in this city because he's more than a man, because he represents all these ideals and all these, 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 the magic of these stories of the past, he dies at the end. And so is, is it trying to say eventually all this magic is going to die from the world? Just like, just like eventually he eventually had to succumb to death? Or is it more, hey, if you forget about these stories of the past, if you forget about this fantasy, you're doomed to die. Right. You know, it's, it's so thick. Yeah. And it's so pretty. I, I I love Terry Gilliam for that. Yeah. To me, even his other stuff, we say it's like time bad stuff, but really this thing stands on its own. It's not really like anything. It makes me wonder, you know, history behind it. You know, it's not really what we do, so it's not really the type of research. Because we could do that on every movie we do, but that's not what we're about. We're about trying to convince you to give it a shot. Right. And then if you get interested, but I'm sure that there's a story behind the Baron Munchausen idea and how it's kind of an intermingling of you know whether people believe that there was once magic in the world you know because that's the way it all plays out i had one more reason to check out the movie and that's, yep. that's berthold trying to stop the bullet <laughs> i think that's great man uh, it's it's so much fun him and even running past it like he went so fast he went too fast and went past it and had to come back right and he's reaching out to try and get the bullet and it's ah, it's hot stop, yeah stop. you know because it's yeah yeah, Berthold trying to stop. And, and at the end, he does. He he manages to grab a an arm cop from a yeah from suit of armor and redirect the bullet away from from the Baron. 
and then you know he's so tired from the uh, from the running that he he's he's huffing and puffing on the ground, and and Baron's like. Oh, you big lazy! What are you doing on the ground? We have a battle to win. It's he brings out the best in people, right? I mean, that's right. That's kind of part of it. And it's just the unlikely team that he puts together that are able to do all these incredible things, and it just so happens everything works out to where their talents are exactly what's needed for you know the, the dire straits that's happening. So, yeah, it's just all whimsical stuff. It's fun. The the team, the A team of uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just wonderful, like the, the way that they put there these they, little stools together. Munchausen's A team. I pity the stool. <laughs> I pity the stool. Helming. I'm, I'm gonna say that this 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 episode probably isn't as fun as some of the other ones because the movie is a little more serious, and and it's hard to say. <laughs> well, let's cull it down to a bunch of little lines and and. Uh, Even though the movie is really not that serious, for. that's the thing about it. It's it's. It, it's deceptively not serious, though. There's a lot of serious right. premises that are right. that are introduced. Bottom line is, is I love it. Danny loves it. We think you should give it a shot because it's it's an oddball film that has a lot of heart, a lot of great work put into it. I think it's I think it's very satisfying. I'm satisfied. Are you? All right. Mm. Well, let's jump into. Welcome to Top 5 Lines, which is just another part of the show. It just has its own theme song. Has its own theme song. It's catchy, because though. it's that important. That's it's, right. it's a good theme song. All right, I'm going to start off with uh, Berthold saying, when they're trapped inside the, the, the belly of the fish, and he goes, is there a doctor in the fish? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the, when the mayor of the town is, is talking about Sting in his short period there. You know, and, and his heroism, he says, this sort of behavior is demoralizing to the ordinary soldiers and citizens who are trying to lead normal, simple, unexceptional lives. And of course, then he, he orders him to be executed for his heroism in the field of combat. <laughs> and I've got where uh, when they're out in the water and the, the, the big fish is coming at them. And Bertolt says, I spy something with my little eye, something beginning with M. And Albrecht says... It's a demon from the deep. <laughs> and he goes, that begins with D, you klutz. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good stuff. I, I'm going to say that the uh, there's a line where the little girl's trying to get Baron to continue his uh, his foray, you know, to keep the story going. And, and Baron looks at her and says, go away. I'm trying to die. <laughs> yeah, he's laying there trying to just give up the ghost. Uh, and I have to go back with my my other line is Oliver Reed when he does say, "Nice, isn't it? We just <laughs> had it done." Because <laughs> that's yes. such a standout part in the movie, man. He he well, just it, only Oliver Reed can do it. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with uh, when when the mayor is uh, looking at uh, the acting troupe head, and he says, "You gonna eat those Cheez-Its? <laughs> That's funny because the one I got is where uh, <laughs> Uma Thurman is talking to, to Oliver Reed. She says, you want some nachos? <laughs> he says, nachos. Helming. <laughs> Again, even, even in like looking at the top five lines, I'm thinking of the overall story. Because right. look, it's the, it's the child trying to tell him you can't die. 
you have to do this. And who's telling uh, Sting that he shouldn't do any extraordinary heroism in the field because we just want to leave, lead ext- unextraordinary, ordinary lives, right? And so you have this whole new regime coming in saying, we're not about heroics. We're not about all that. And, and you've got the, the child saying, we need you. We need heroism and magic. You know, it's, right. it's the whole story. The, the whole thing is just kind of underlining that point. Absolutely. And, and Terry Gilliam goes along with it with, with some fantastic visuals. I yep. mean, it's be prepared to think. And some good audios, too, like this. Rating time, time, time. That brings us to rating time. Rating time. <laughs> the torturer's apprentice find you off must be quite cruel to be kind. I'm going to give it nine grim reapers with pterodactyl voices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it eight. Skip the moon part, man. Skip the moon part. I don't know about all that, but okay. (laughs) Well, then, all right, I'll give it it one hot air balloon made of silken undergarments. Well, who doesn't want that? Maybe next time when we... Who doesn't want that? When we add on to the time machine, maybe we can convince some ladies, you know, to do that for us. Ladies, beautiful ladies. <laughs> give me your panties <laughs> for a hot air balloon. So, Brian Blessed, what do you think of the adventures of Baron Munchausen? Oh, well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> die! He says take the dive. He thinks it's worth it. Well, he's, who wants to live forever? That's right. Don't miss your who chances, wants folks. to live forever when love must die? All right. Wrong movie, but all right. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll be right back, folks. be a good idea to silence those enemy cannons no sir no it's wednesday oh no wednesday ah. Ah. boy what you make of that bit Looks like Barry Munchausen. What's he doing? He's flying on a cannonball. I can see he's flying on a cannonball. I mean, what's he doing? Well, you don't know why Barry Munchausen flies on cannonballs. What you talking about, mate? It all goes back to the Sultan. What do you mean? Centuries. The Falafel family has ruled the deserts with one thing speed. 
We have the fastest camels and the fastest horses. We have the fastest planes, the fastest boats and the fastest cars, except for one. Yours. I order you back to America. We let cannonball run. Get those guys. You got them. And now, Did You Know, with Tom Brokaw. This is Tom Brokaw, and this is Did You Know. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen was Uma Thurman's first acting job, although because of the inordinate production delays for this movie, it was not her debut. She also belongs to the very short list of actors who were hired on their very first audition. Did you know the role of the King of the Moon was intended for Sean Connery until the role was largely cut? Sean didn't think it was kingly enough. Thus, the role was played by Robin Williams instead. Connery was also considered to play Baron Munchausen. Did you know that I very rarely drink, but I tend to sound extremely drunk? Especially when I say Michelob or Judicial System. Did you know Sting's cameo came about because he happened to be Terry Gilliam's neighbor at the time? Did you know that Robin Williams was a last-minute casting after the budget had ran out, and he performed his role uncredited and unpaid? Most of Robin's dialogue was ad-libbed. Did you know that I have a constant case of the dry heaves? Did you know that The Adventures of Baron Munchausen was the first DVD ever to be released by Columbia Pictures in Europe? Did you know 
that a Moon City set was to have been built at Pinewood. However, since there was no money left in the budget to do this, Terry Gillia took the sketches of the designs and stuck them to a board. The 2D buildings were then moved forwards and backwards from left to right. The result is bizarre and effective. You've been listening to Did You Know with Tom Brokaw on the Hell Mean Power Hour. Did you know I was called Baron Brokaw back in my years performing with Summer Stock? Hello and welcome to Moments in Munchistory. The only game show where you get Baron Munchausen's history lesson. So, welcome our contestants from Harvard Law School, William. Hi there. And from Cambridge, we have Martin in tonight. Cheerio. And from the Wisconsin Institute of Auto Mechanics, YI Auto, it's Zangi. How you doing? So let's play the game, shall we? Here are the rules. Some common knowledge questions will be asked. And once someone buzzes in with an answer, our resident judge and expert on everything will let them know if they got the answer correct or if they need to think again. First question. What colonial American general and first American president once led a midnight raid defeat the British? That's William. What's your answer? Yes, that would be George Washington. Ooh, good guess. Let's go to our judge on that one. Baron Munchausen? I'm afraid not, dear boy. It's not at all George Washington. It's Archibald Lemonsnoot. He would lead his armies by sense of smell and had no need for the light of day. Oh, bad luck there, William. Sorry. Next question. What year did the Cadillac El Dorado first go into production? Oh, it's Zangief. Yeah, that would be the first manufactured in Detroit, Michigan in 1952. Oh, he sounds definitive. Going to the judge. What do you think, Baron? Wrong again. Why, I remember El Dorado producing the finest wines in all Spain. Because he was such a fine oarsman, they called him Cat of the Lake or Cadillac. That's, that's not even close. Ooh, that noise means it's time for our lightning round. Exciting news. In this round, we give a name and an occupation. And you identify the famous person as one of our contestants. Is everyone ready? Here we go. Poe, author. Oh, Martin, what's your answer? Edgar Allen. Judge? I'm sorry, that's wrong. It's Beatrice. Beatrice Poe. She wrote such fine poems. Tough break there, Martin. 
Anyway, okay, the next question. Beatty. Actor. Oh, Zangief again. Yeah, think that's Warren Beatty, the actor? Oh, good guess. Judge? Wrong! You really know nothing, do you? Clive Warren, you don't. I don't have to take that from you. I'm afraid you do because it's my show, Munchistory. Well, that music signifies that we're out of time. We're hoping you had a good time, and we'll see you next time. Hey, break it up, guys. No, no, listen. I'm tired of your crap, old man. Old man, I'll show you. Let me get you. All right, everybody, that uh, gets us to the end of this one as well. It's an interesting movie. I, I know this one probably hasn't been as fun and as rompous as we normally are because there's a seriousness to this movie that we both really like, and I think it's definitely worth a viewing. It's got some beautiful cinematography in it. It's a well-put-together story. It just may have tried to cram too much stuff into one into one story, so... Uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. I, I think it's a fun movie to check out. And Terry Gilliam is known for taking on labors of love, you know, where he could make a movie that's, that's slated to make more money or get more viewers, but he decides that he really wants to do that. And I, I imagine just like his, uh, his Don Quixote stuff, this probably was, was a movie that he decided he was going to make yep. um, because he just felt driven to do so. And we're all better off for it. Because it's whether or not you decide you like it, I think if you chose to watch it, you couldn't deny that it's it's just a, a masterpiece. Right. And I think another part of it, too, is the time frame that it came out. It was probably too different for the time. I remember seeing it at a young age and having no idea what was going on, you know, because the storytelling was just kind of all over the place. But I think revisiting it at an older age there's a lot more appreciation for what happens in this movie than, than when I was young. And, you know, you're looking for just the simplicity of, you know, a very simple story and just some action where here you're getting a lot more depth than you normally would have in something like this. So I think now in hindsight, looking at it, this is a still real solid movie with some incredible imagery in it. I agree. And I'm, I came to it a little later. I'm sure I didn't see it in the theater, yep. but I can't deny that you know the first time I watched it, I probably didn't know what I was seeing. But it's become one of my favorite movies. So if you like bizarre storytelling fairy tales, this is the movie for you. That's the way I see it. I agree with Rick 100, percent which doesn't always happen. <laughs> no, but it happens pretty often. Actually, that's why we have the show together. That's right. Okie doke, folks. That's going to be it for us. We appreciate you listening. If you have any ideas for any upcoming shows that you'd like for us to cover, just make sure you drop them out there on Facebook for us, and we'll make sure we ignore them just like always. That's not exactly fair. I think we've probably listened to some recommendations. We've listened to them, but we still haven't done any of them. Have we not done any of the recommendations? I don't know. Maybe we have. (laughs) Maybe we just need better recommendations coming. Uh, so folks just put those out there for us and don't forget to also leave us questions for ask randy and all that good stuff out there if you if you want him to answer your questions and help you with some 411 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> ask Randy, brother. You got two Randys that you can ask, so you can be even specific which Randy you want to answer. How about that? <laughs> and how you how Randy do you want him to be? How Randy do you want him to be? Hell, <laughs> man. <laughs> All right, folks, that's going to be it for us. I'm Rick. And I'm Danny. And we'll see you later on. (laughs) We could all use a little magic in our lives. But what happens when it's time to get real? Do you ride that cannonball? Do you try and escape death? Do you race the devil? Or do you buckle down? and do what you have to do to make it through everyday life, to meet your obligations for family and friends. We could all use that magic, whether it's real or not. And if someone brings it to us, then we need to value that person and never let them go. Because remember, magic is important, maybe just as important as responsibilities. Good night, everybody. And remember, actions speak louder than taglines. Members of the audience will receive the following Classic Curves by Dittos The Pants for Feel Good Company A gift certificate from Maruchan Ramen Noodles Rice-a-roni All guests receive a copy of the Helming Home Game Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Mark Allison Jeremy Finch and Jacob Kennedy. Hell Bing is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. Hell Bing is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Legion Podcast. This is Dan Pardo saying good night.
torture, 